1: Welcome back to the Good Fight Radio Show. I'm your host, Chad Davidson of Good Fight Ministries. And with me, as always, is the show's producer, Tony Palacio. How are you doing today? I am praising God. He's good. Amen. I think that's the first show this week that I got it right. You did. I didn't uh, didn't (laughs) mess up too bad on the intro, but so good to see you guys. Well, I don't get to see you guys, but hopefully, Lord willing, I'm looking at cameras ready to be set up here, but we kind of been waiting a little bit for... Joe to
0: get back. Yeah, we got to have him back to do the
1: camera. Yeah, I feel uncomfortable just a camera staring at me. I can do that for 5.11 News, but Good Fight Radio Show. I'm usually here for Tony and Joe so we can do this together, you know. So it'll be cool once we get him back, and you guys will get to see us on a regular basis, uh, you know, and you guys help us continue to get the word out. Um and, you know, we're really, really excited about a lot of the stuff we have going on for the next year, Lord willing. Uh, we just talked about, you know, James chapter 4 and not saying we're going to go do this and this and that. Uh, but we're going to seek the Lord on all these things. And we continue to seek the Lord because we obviously didn't expect Joe to go into AFib, all right, or, uh, you know, be, be sitting out. But nonetheless, in the Lord's providence, he knew and he continues to have us working alongside. Um, not I, I say this as well, and I don't just... Throw it out as lip service. It's alongside you guys because if you guys didn't listen, we wouldn't invest in this, and if you guys didn't share it, nobody would hear it outside of yourself. So we are so blessed by those who are sharing this all the time. The people that are putting it out on forums, people that are putting it out on Facebook pages, Instagram. I saw a ton of people. We we had a ton of people actually write in. Hey, here were my Spotify top list, and it was. I saw like Blessed Hope Chapel, which was is our church, um, church's live stream Spotify. Um, good Fight Radio Show, Five Eleven News, you know, top three, and I'm like, that's pretty cool. You know, you guys are listening, and what an absolute blessing you are to the body of Christ, and that you care about truth as we do. And so, we sincerely believe that is a good thing, and that's what we're going to be talking Bearing about today. Your own lead, I I got to do it this time. Uh, you know, Joe is not here to do it, and you, I got I got it before you could. Yeah. Um, but, I, you know, it's interesting because I've, I've heard a lot of different analogies and we talk about these things quite often. And I, I think there is a very good analogy. And I brought this up on a recent uh, on a recent show, but I'll try to examine it even further um, with you guys, because I think that a lot of times it's a misnomer that you have to have one without the other. And I'll explain my position on that. Uh, in terms of what I mean biblically when it comes to sincere or truth. Because people say all the time, hey, people, they're sincerely religious people, and that's all that God cares about is that they're sincerely religious, and he will accept all those who are sincere. But in my view, everyone's actually religious to a point. Whether you're atheist or not, everyone's religious. Everyone has something of a worldview that they go back to, and they hold all their ideas within that bottle. Okay, now if you're a believer, I hope you're doing that with the word of God. And then when you look through this world through lenses, they should be the lenses of Scripture. And I think if you're doing that, you're doing good, all right? that That's a good thing. And that you, when you bring every thought captive to the obedience of Christ, it's to the obedience of the Messiah who gave us his word, gave us his instruction manual for us to follow. And so when we look at those things and we have not just, I have to remember to read these words, but also that God writes these words on our heart, also that we have the Holy Spirit that leads us into all truth that convicts us. If he convicts the world, he's convicting us concerning sin and righteousness and judgment. So, guys, these are things that are really, really important for us to recognize that when we see the world, we should see the world through these lenses. But we also recognize that the world, those who are not saved, all have something of religiosity, all have something. Typically, in all honesty, it's what their flesh likes. And so they do that. Some people do it through a buffet of religion, and they're like, well, I like this New Age mumbo-jumbo, even though I'm an atheist. Okay, I'll take the quote-unquote spirit science. All right, I'll take a, a scoop of that, or I'll take a scoop of Buddhism, or here, let me get a scoop over here of Mormonism, you know, and so on. All right? And that's one of the things that is, it's simply not true to say, those people are being sincere. I don't believe that. I think that's wrong. I don't think they're actually sincere. And so quite often I hear people saying, oh, well, as long as it's sincere, as long as they're being sincere, it's sincere to what? I believe that where, we, where our destination is is what is important. When it comes to sincerity, we need to go as, as far and as, and as hard towards a proper destination or all of the sincerity in the world will not matter if we're pointed in the wrong direction. We talked about this on another show that it was Aristotle who said that, that happiness is the highest good. But what was his version of happiness, right? What was the destination he was talking about getting to? I don't think it was a proper destination because the proper destination wasn't Christ. And so when we have the proper destination wanting to know God, I believe it's entirely different you see, because the word sincerity is actually used a number of times in scripture. First Timothy one, five is one of my favorite verses. And I think that you as a believer, and and we've talked about in the new year, maybe finding a Timothy in your life that you could share with, that you could grow in the faith. This, if you can't say this, you have no bo- you have no reason. If you can't say these words, you have no reason to be sharing with anyone. But I believe as a brother or sister in Christ, you should be able to say these exact words that Paul said to Timothy. But the goal of our instruction is love from a pure heart and a good conscience and a sincere faith. Sincere faith. Guys, that is so important that your faith is sincere. Do you have a real faith? Do you have the proper destination? Because if you're given... The wrong destination. And this has happened to a number of people. There's, it's interesting. In Southern California, we have a lot of schools named the same thing. I'll give you an example. Valencia High School. And so I would have parents, I would tell them this, the tournament is at Valencia High School. But the problem is we have a Valencia High School right here in Santa Clarita. But the tournament that I've had a number of times is in Placentia. This is over like an hour away And so, guess what? We had multiple times where sincere parents were trying to get to Valencia High School and they went to the wrong destination. And they had to drive all the way to the other one. Guys, we need to make sure we have the right destination. We don't want people to be sincere in their Mormonism, all right? What the fact is, is that when it comes to being sincere, if you have the right destination, I do believe you will get there. There may be bumps along the road, but you will get there. But you need to have the right destination. I don't believe it's sincerity or truth. I believe it's sincerity in the truth. I wanted to read a couple of other verses that this word, and it's really hard to pronounce, (laughs) so I'm not even going to try today. Um, But I want to read a couple of the other verses where this word sincere is used. Okay, okay. It's used in Romans 12.9 to describe being sincere, is used in Romans 12.9 to describe being without hypocrisy. Let your love be without hypocrisy. Hate what is evil or abhor, and a stronger word for hate, abhor what is evil, cling to that which is good. Your love, the love that you have, should be sincere. It should be without and free from hypocrisy. Second Corinthians 6 6, in purity, in knowledge, in patience, in kindness, in the Holy Spirit, in genuine or sincere love. Second Timothy 1.5, both 1 Timothy 1, 1.5 and 2 Timothy 1.5. In 2 Timothy 1.5 it says, For I am mindful of the sincere faith within you, which first dwelt in your grandmother Lois and your mother Eunice, and I am sure that it is, it is in you as well. James 3.17, But the wisdom from above is first pure, then peaceable, gentle, reasonable, full of mercy, good fruits, unwavering, and without hypocrisy or sincere. First Peter 1, 22. Since you have an obedience to the truth, purified your souls for a sincere love of the brethren. Fervently love one another from the heart. Guys, sincere love. Sincere faith. Love without hypocrisy. This is what we're talking about here. This is where our faith should be. This is what Paul told Timothy his faith should be. It should be sincere. One of the worst things to find out One of the worst things to find out is that when someone was sharing something with you, it wasn't very sincere. How many husbands and wives have found out that the vows that they took to be married were not sincere? To having to hold, that they wouldn't bed someone else, they wouldn't cheat on them. They found out they weren't sincere. A lot of people, we've just reported on this recently, on the infidelities of Ravi Zacharias. Why do people hurt? that followed his teaching for many, many years, 20, 30 years listening to him, growing from him. Then when somebody is not actually practicing what they preach, you recognize they're not sincere. One of the factors of being sincere is to love without hypocrisy, and it's to hate what is evil. You know, we used to say in sports and in wrestling, it's great to find guys that love winning, but you have to have people that hate losing. If you really want to win, you got to hate losing enough to to do something about it. And when it comes to evil creeping in in your life, you need to do the opposite of what Cain did. and when God warned him that sin was crouching at the door and the desire was for him, he needed to master over it. One of the ways to master over it is to hate it, hate the sin that nailed your Savior to the cross. There is no more sincerity of truth. there's no more sincerity of love than to hate that which wages war against your soul and that nail the thing that nailed Jesus to the cross. We want sincerity of faith, a true faith that trusts. Our hope is supposed to be different, guys. I was looking up different definitions of hope comparative to the world, and if you actually type in, even on Google, the difference between um, the biblical hope versus what the world, one of the things that'll actually say, what is a biblical hope? And you click on it, it says this. It says, hope is commonly used to mean a wish. Its strength is the strength of the person's desire. But in the Bible, Hope is the confident expectation of what God has promised, and its strength is in His faithfulness. I think that's a totally different hope than the world. People say hope, they say, oh, I hope I win the lottery. Oh, I hope I don't run out of gas, (laughs) right? I hope these things, with no evidence to know that it's true. That's not the fixed hope that we have in Christ, First Timothy, the very heading of this letter that we're reading about, about the goal of the instructions to have a sincere faith, in this very letter, Paul says specifically, Paul, an apostle of Christ Jesus, according to the commandment of God our Savior and of Jesus Christ, who is our hope? Who is our hope? Jesus Christ is the one who is our hope. He is where our hope is found. It's not a, well, I hope Jesus loves me. Well, I hope he's the one who saved me. That's not at all what we have in the text. What we have in Jesus Christ is a fixed hope that doesn't move. We say it, and I'll say it all the more. When it comes to the hope that we have, it's not a blind faith. The faith that we have described in the scriptures has two things, substance and evidence, Hebrews chapter 11. Faith is the substance of things hopes for the evidence of things not seen. Our hope is in the risen king. When you read the book of Acts, they don't say hope is, we're hoping against hope. We hope against the facts. We hope against the evidence. No, what we look at in Jesus Christ is a fixed hope that we know is true. He says, look, man, David was buried here. His body, his bones are here, but Jesus was resurrected. His body never saw decay. This hope that we have is not one that I just hope against the evidence I hope because of the evidence. I hope because I know Christ and I know of his resurrection. Acts 23, 6. I'm on trial for the hope and the resurrection. Same word. At Romans chapter 15:13. May the God of hope fill you. Colossians 1, I hope that you are not moved from the hope of the gospel. 1 Thessalonians 1, 3. And the steadfastness of hope in our Lord. Hebrews three six and we boast of our hope firmly. Hebrews six eleven, as to, the realize, as to realize the full assurance of hope, to take hold of hope set before us. In a better hope, Hebrews seven nineteen, Hebrews ten twenty three, we hold on to the confession of our hope without wavering. We don't waver because the hope that we have is one that we know to be true. Our faith is not blind. Our hope and our faith is fixed. This is why you are called by, in 1 Peter chapter 3, verse 15, to be ready to give an answer for the hope that is within you. It's so unbelievably important. And because of this, we know that's the truth. We know that's the true hope. And we aren't like the world. But I want to get back to this idea of sincerity versus truth because I don't believe they should be at odds. In fact, I think the Bible teaches something quite different when it comes to sincerity and truth because I believe, as I said, that if you are sincere in the destination, that you will find it. In fact, Proverbs chapter 2 is one of my favorites and when I was Newer in Christ, I was like, "Well, what what verses should I memorize?" So I tried to memorize all my birthday verses, and there's a lot of them because my birthday is February fourth, so two four. <laughs> so there's a lot of two fours in the Bible, right? I mean, if your birthday's you know I don't know on the thirtieth, you know you have you can miss out on some books, <laughs> you know that don't get the thirty verses, especially in the New Testament. But but nonetheless, um, in Proverbs chapter two, verse four. It says, if you seek her as silver and search for, her as for hidden treasures, then you will discern the fear of the Lord and discover the knowledge of God. I want to get back to verse, that, that's what I had memorized. Let me get back to verse one. My son, if you will receive my words and my treasure, my commandments within you, make your ear attentive to wisdom, incline your heart to understanding. For if you cry for discernment, lift your voice for understanding. If you seek her as silver and search for her as hidden treasures, then you will discern the fear of the Lord and discover the knowledge of Of God. In John 7 17, this is what Jesus says on this subject. If anyone is doing, is willing to do his will, the Father, he will know of the teaching, whether it is from God or whether I speak of myself. They will know whether or not Jesus is the Christ, if their actual desire is to know him. We used to say when it comes to sharing the gospel with Jews, if they actually believe and trust in and and are continuing to seek, the God of Abraham and Isaac and Jacob, they will come to know the Messiah. I think one of the more interesting examples of this in the scriptures is found in Mark chapter 12. It's one of my favorites. And I've actually gotten the chance to teach on this subject in Brazil. I taught this through because I love watching Jesus put people in their place. It's one of my favorite things to do. And he does this over and over, but... Man, it's so cool because you get to see. He doesn't. He does. He obviously he's God in the flesh. He doesn't fail to teach them the kindness and severity, and you're going to see both kindness and severity here because I love it. Now I'm going to give you the context because I hate when anyone tells me uh, teaches me a text or something and I have no idea what came right before it. So I have to give the context. Um, He goes through the the parable of the vine grower right before this about them you know, delivering his son, and then they're like, oh, well, I'm sure they'll treat my son right, and then they kill him, and then he tells them uh, quite clearly (laughs) that he is the chief cornerstone that the builders rejected, okay? They were not too happy. Uh, They were seeking to seize him because of this, and then guess what? Verse 13. I'll start reading from there. Verse 13. Then they sent some of the Pharisees and Herodians to him in order to trap him in a statement, and they came and said to him, teacher, we know that you are truthful and defer to no one and you're not partial to any, but teach the way of God in truth. Man, such liars, dude. This is not sincerity. Sorry, I said, dude, I was talking to Tony, but uh, <laughs> it's it's just in my head, you know, and if you've never, if you didn't know we were from California, you do now. <laughs> um, <laughs> uh, let, me, let me go back to verse 14. Teacher, we know that you are truthful and defer to no one and you are not partial to any, but teach the way of God in truth. Is it lawful to pay a poll tax to Caesar or not? Shall we pay or shall we not pay? But he, knowing their hypocrisy, notice that, are they sincere in this question? No, no, they're not. Said to them, why are you testing me? Bring me a denarius to look at. They brought one. And he said to them, whose likeness and inscription is this? And they said to him, Caesar's. And Jesus said to them, render to Caesar the things that are Caesar's and to God, the things that are God. And they were amazed at him. I love how he answers them. Man, what, a, what, what an awesome boom, man. When you read this and you see that the Herodians, these mixers, <laughs> right? These guys that were trying to mix, you know, alongside uh, the, uh, the governmental systems as well. And it's so interesting. You watch Pharisees, Herodians, and Sadducees all team up to try to get Jesus, and they just can't do it. You know, they can't get after my Savior. He always out, outsmarts them, and I love it. And you think about this. He's trying, they're trying to get Jesus to say something that no matter what, he's going to put himself in a position that someone's going to be mad at him. And so they started off by the buttering up. But Jesus knows their hypocrisy. He knows their hearts. Come on. He's not going to put up with this. And what does he do? He takes the physical and brings it back to the spiritual. This is made in the image of Caesar. You, give him, you pay your taxes. Give it to them. But you know what's more important? That you yourself, you're made in the image of God. You're supposed to give your whole self to him. And he's going to reiterate that. Some Sadducees, who say there is no resurrection, came to Jesus and began questioning him, saying, Teacher, Moses wrote for us that if a man, man's brother dies and leaves behind a wife and leaves no child, his brother should marry the wife and raise up children to his brother. There were seven brothers, and the first took a wife and died, leaving no children. The second one married her and died, leaving behind no children, and the third likewise. And so all seven left no children. Last of all, the woman died also. In the resurrection, when they rise again, which one's wife will she be? For all seven had married her. Now, I want you to notice a couple things that we could do and deduce from this text. First of all, Jesus does not teach polygamy because this argument is a reductio ad absurdum that you reduce the only available answer to absurdity because obviously the resurrection can't exist if this man has been married to all these women. I mean, if this woman's been married to all these men, who is she married to in heaven? Because you got to have this husband in heaven or otherwise there's divorce, right? Jesus tells him, and I bet you... This would probably frustrate some Sadducees. Now, first of all, it would frustrate them because they were probably using this argument against the Pharisees and winning all the time. Obviously, the Pharisees didn't have an, ar- an answer for it. And now Jesus is going to bam and smash their argument to the ground. And, but first he's going to say something that I'm sure they found quite insulting. But yet, Jesus was speaking the truth. Jesus said to them, "'Is this not the reason you are mistaken?' that you do not understand the scriptures or the power of God. Woo! You're talking about people that, I mean, Sadducees, I believe many of which would have probably memorized all of Torah. And now he's telling them, you don't even understand these scriptures. Bam, right in the face. Verse 25. For when they rise from the dead, they neither marry or are given a marriage, but are like angels in heaven. But regarding the fact that the dead rise again, have you not read in the book of Moses, in the passage about the burning bush... I love this, because what does he take them back to? The text that they would consider to be true, right? Because they they the Sadducees only believed in the first five books. They only believed in Torah. They didn't believe in the rest of the Ketuvim. They did not believe in the prophets and the laws as being holy writ. So they only had those first five books. So Jesus not only takes them to that book, but he is going, guys, just watch this. He's going to use the tense of a verb to make his entire argumentation for the resurrection. Woohoo! My king. But regarding the fact that the dead rise again, have you not read in the book of Moses, in the passage about the burning bush, how God spoke to him saying, I am the God of Abraham and the God of Isaac and the God of Jacob. He is not the God of the dead, but of the living. You are greatly mistaken. He made his entire argument against what they were saying because he's talking to Moses here. And in Matthew's account of this, he says, have you not read what was spoken to you by God. And when he says that to them, he calls them to knowing and understanding that God was speaking to them, even though it was through Moses, all that time before, right? But yet, when we read this text, we realize he's saying, I am currently the God of Abraham and of Isaac and of Jacob. So what Jesus is pointing out is that even though he was speaking to Moses, these men had passed away, were already dead, but yet still living because he was currently the God of Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob. Therefore, there will be a resurrection. There is an afterlife. It doesn't end when we go down in the soil. I love that. So we are getting through these first two examples here, the Herodians. Well, there's three people, three people groups talking about talked about, but specifically we're dealing with here the Herodian argumentation that they brought forth and then the, uh, the Sadducee. There's another one, though. Those two were not sincere. But what does he say of the third one, of the scribe? One of the scribes came and heard them arguing and recognizing that he had answered them well. So he's seeing. wait a second, this guy may know what he's talking about. Asked him, what commandment is the greatest or foremost of all? And Jesus answered, the foremost, Shema Israel, hero Israel, the Lord our God is one Lord. And you shall love the Lord thy God with all your heart, with all your soul, with all your mind, with all your strength. The second like it is, or the second is, you shall love your neighbor as yourself. There is no other commandment greater than these. The scribe began to, him, or this, the scribe said to him, "Right, teacher, you have truly stated he is one and there is no one else besides him. And to love him with all your heart and with all your understanding, with all your strength and to love one's neighbor as himself." is much more than all burnt offering and sacrifices. When Jesus saw that he'd answered intelligently, he said to him, you are not far from the kingdom of God. After that, no one would venture to ask him any more questions. I love this, guys, because you see Jesus's different reaction to those who brought forth questions just trying to stump him. Not actually seeking truth. But what about this scribe? The scribe is there. Sees him answering well. So he asks a question. And Jesus says, you are not far from the kingdom of God. I love that. Because I do believe, as Ezekiel, we we get to see the character of God in, in Scripture over and over again. And Ezekiel chapter 18 is a great picture of this when it talks about the wicked, when it talks about each individual, the soul that sins shall die is the basic premise of the entire chapter. But in both verses... Uh, 23 and 32, he says the same thing, that God's desire is not for the wicked to perish, but that they would turn and repent. He asks the questions and he answers it in both uh, in chapter 18, verses 23 and 32. And I love those texts because we see the heart of God is that he wants them to turn. And what I love is, is God in his grace has sent the Holy Spirit out into what? The world concerning sin and righteousness and judgment to convict them of those things, and so God is pouring out His grace to people in order to bring them to the truth. So I do believe if somebody really wants to know God, because guess what, Acts seventeen, and I use these verses a lot, and I don't, I, I, because I've written them on my heart because they've meant so much to me, coming from atheist agnosticism, not knowing the Lord, then coming to know Him, and then seeing His love poured out over and over again through the Scriptures, seeing the person of Jesus being. So awesome. I mean, I just can't I, I just can't wait to see him face to face. I yearn to be able to be with him when I read stuff like this. And when I think in Acts 17, so clearly, guys, and to make sure you know from Adam, all humans at all times, same thing. You see God's purpose for us that anybody, guys, and Acts chapter 10 as well with Cornelius and Peter, that anybody that would seek after him will find him. Proverbs chapter 2, as we already read, 4 and 5. If you would seek, if you seek Him with sincerity, that you will find Him. Because this is why I say, and I wrap this up, that it's not just sincerity or truth. I believe that if you search for the truth with sincerity, you will find it if you go after it as you would find treasure and precious silver, and you will know and discern and know the knowledge of God. Seek Him in sincerity and truth. God bless.